In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this Christmas for me is pretty different from most others, and for one big reason, and that's our daughter. I feel like I am getting to experience Christmas for the very first time, which is pretty special, because I'm experience, experiencing her Christmas for the very first time. Uh, this kind of hit my wife and I a few weeks back when we turned down the Christmas music for the first time this season. And uh, as we started listening to music, these are songs that are so familiar to, to me and, and most likely to you too, right? Uh, some of the songs at Christmas we can sing backwards and forwards. We heard them all a, a thousand times before, but this was her first time listening to some of our favorite songs. And it was just kind of wild for me to think about uh, getting, her getting to experience for the first time the, the soundtrack of the holidays. And as I've thought about it some more, it's not just the sounds, right, that she's experiencing. I get to experience the sights and the smells and the tastes and the feelings of Christmas right along with her. As I've been thinking about this, it's just amazing to me uh, how there are so many sensory associations that we make with Christmas, isn't there? Right? I'm sure for you that there are certain sounds, certain smells, certain sights, certain tastes, certain feelings between your fingers that just immediately bring you back to the holidays. So what are some of those for you? What are some of the, the sounds of Christmas? For me growing up, it was always Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers. My parents had a cassette tape of them singing some Christmas classics. And when I hear Christmas, it's very often the two of them that I hear. Uh, maybe for you, though, it's Bing Crosby, or maybe it's listening to Handel's Messiah. Uh, maybe it's Mariah Carey. Uh, maybe it's just sitting in church with the music playing. But I would guess there's, there's some music that you associate with Christmas. I'm sure there's certain sights that, that bring you back, right? Maybe it's walking through the neighborhood and seeing all the lights and decorations put up. Maybe it's going downtown in a normal year and, and seeing the windows at Macy's. I'm sure there are certain smells that you associate with Christmas, right? The, the, the cookies baking in the oven, uh, uh, the fresh cut pine tree hanging in your living room. And then there are the tastes of Christmas. There's the hot cocoa and, and the candy canes and maybe the ham or turkey baking in the oven. For me, it's, it's French toast casserole. My mom always used to make that on Christmas morning before we went to church. And to me, that's just what Christmas tastes like. There are so many sensory associations we make this time of year, which is wonderful, but makes me think of, of how different Jesus' experience of Christmas is from ours. He had his own sensory associations. There were sights and sounds and smells and tastes that he would have uh, associated and connected with this time of year, but they were not at all the ones that we make. His experience of Christmas is so different from ours. I mean, Jesus never heard the sound of Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton playing. I kind of feel bad about that, but maybe he's listening now. Uh, Jesus never tasted a warm cup of hot cocoa with a candy cane mixed in. He never walked around the neighborhood and looked at the, the twinkling lights that the neighbors had hung. None of that. He had his own associations, though, right? When, when Jesus felt Christmas, he probably would have felt the scratchy hay on his skin, the hay that he was born in. He probably would have heard the sounds of a, a cacophony of a, a full house uh, as, as he was born in a, a crowded room. Lots of people around him in Bethlehem at that time. He probably would have heard the voice of his stepdad, Joseph, trying to calm and bring some encouragement to his, his laboring wife, Mary, as she cries out in pain. He probably would have heard the animals bleeding and and smelled them too. There were still lots of sensory associations that Jesus would have made, but they would have been very different from us. Our experience of Christmas 
with all the sights and the sounds and the smells and the tastes that come with it, is so different than his. It, it makes me think that sometimes at Christmas, we use Christmas and we use these sights and sounds and smells and tastes in order to escape a little bit, don't we? Uh, we, we try to escape from the problems of the world, and there are many, uh, through the drinking of the hot chocolate, through the, the, the cuddling by the fire, through the, the listening of music that, that, that draws us away from all the stuff going on around us. I know this is true for me. We have our house very nicely decorated, especially our front room. That's where we keep our tree. It's beautifully lit. We can look out from the front room and see the lights that we have in front of our house. We have some other decorations too, a few manger scenes, and uh, sometimes we'll have the music playing, and maybe we'll even light a candle. And I love to just sit in that room, especially at, at night with the lights on, and it's a way of kind of escaping the world, right? There's so many problems out there. We've got this pandemic going on, and when I'm there, I feel like I've left all of that behind. It's true, I think, of, of many of us this time of year, at Christmas, we, we use Christmas and, and the sights and the sounds and the smells in order to escape. But again, that's where Jesus is different. Jesus didn't use Christmas to escape from the world. In fact, it was just the opposite, wasn't it? On Christmas, Jesus came into this world. He entered into it fully and completely as one of us. Uh, that's what our word for today, we're, we're working through this series in Advent called Speaking Christmas, where we're taking a look at different special words. We looked at Emmanuel last week, and, and this week we're talking about the word incarnation. And what that word incarnation means, it's a couple of Latin words, en caros, which means in the flesh. On Christmas, as, as John chapter 1 verse 14 reminded us, and on Christmas the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus entered into our mess, into our hurt, into our pain, and, and not as some spirit, not just as a wandering ghost passing through. He came into this world, and, and not some carefully crafted and curated version of it, like we try to create, don't we? With the, with the lights and the trees and the, the hot cocoa and the sounds, right? No, Jesus entered into this world as it truly is. He entered into a manger. He was incarnate among us. Now, this word incarnate or incarnation, the fact that Jesus became human fully and completely, he, he took on flesh. It's more than just a theological idea. <laughs> it's more than just a big fancy theological word that tells us something about our Savior. It tells us a lot about our Savior, but I think the incarnation also has some, some, some practical applications to our life too. It means something for us. And the first thing, there are three things I'd like to talk about in the time we have left. The first thing the incarnation means for us is that we don't have to escape. As Christians, we don't have to run away from the world, right? Sometimes we feel like that's the only way. And maybe it's due to an addiction or maybe an abusive, hurtful relationship or, or maybe it's just because of this pandemic going on and, and just the fact that we turn on the news every night and there are more problems. Maybe it's the fact that our to-do list never seems to end. As soon as we take one thing off, something else gets added on top of it, and we feel like, okay, the only way out of this is to escape, is, is to, to leave behind the world and, and run away to God. But that's not the answer. See, we don't have to run away because God ran to us. The answer to life's problems is not escape. It's our Savior Jesus who came and lived among us, who was incarnate in this world, who took on flesh to live among us. The truth is, dear friends, he's never actually left. You do not need to escape. 
I mean, this changes how we live. See, the calling of Christians is not to just all kind of get together and run away to a monastery somewhere where we can leave the world behind and close our eyes and ears to the problems and the pains of this world. No, our faith in our incarnate God ought to drive us deeper into the world. It, it ought to increase our involvement in the world, right? It, it means that we get our hands dirty just like Jesus did. It means that we, like Jesus, embody his love to share with the world. The incarnation changes us. The first thing it does is, is it reminds us we don't have to run away, we don't escape, because God ran to us. He's here, and he's the Savior we need. The second thing the, the incarnation means for us is that, that we have a God who understands us. You don't have some cold, distant, uncaring God who has no way to sympathize with what you're going through. No, Jesus came here, and he lived as a human, right? Jesus was rejected by friends. Jesus faced both physical and emotional pain. Jesus knows what it's like to face roadblocks in life. Jesus knows what it's like to, to look at a to-do list and, and feel like it never stops growing. Jesus knows what it's like to work and work and work and to not see the kind of results that you might expect and to feel like you're, you're just spinning your wheels, right? Jesus gets it. He, he knows what it's like to, to face some of the deepest challenges and pains in life. He lost loved ones just like you. You don't have a cold, unpassionate, uncaring God. You have a God who understands you, can sympathize with you. That's the second thing the incarnation means for us. And the last thing it means for us is that we are loved. The incarnation shows us that we have a God who is willing to do anything for us, right? As First John, or John chapter 1 would tell us, that the creator of the universe, the, the light of the world in, in our life, God himself became human. And if he's willing to do that, what isn't he willing to do? And he was willing to do it because he loves you. God loves you, dear friends. You know, sometimes as Christians, I think that we take the incarnation for granted. Right? It's just how it was. God became human. Jesus, fully God, fully man. But it didn't have to be that way, did it? You know, I think if, if I were God, how would I decide to enter the world? If I was sitting up there on my comfortable heavenly throne with all of the angels at my disposal, living in a place of perfection and peace, and if for some reason I had chosen to come down into the world and enter into my creation, how would I do it? And there are probably a lot of ways that I could have done it. None of them, I don't think I would have chosen quite to do it how Jesus did it. If, if it were me, well, on, on, on my bad days, if I was angry at the creation, upset with how they're treating each other and treating me as God, I might come down in an earthquake or a lightning bolt or a ball of fire, you know, show them who's boss. But even on my good days, I, I imagine I would have come down with a parade of angelic hosts. I would have come down with a motorcade of fancy cars. Uh, I would have come down letting everyone know that the king is here, but not Jesus. Right? He comes down in a lowly manger. Uh, entering into lowly places, living with lowly people, living a life of humility and compassion amongst the poor and the hurting and the lost. That tells us something, doesn't it, dear friends? It, it shows us love, how Jesus came in, into this world as, as a humble baby. You know, Martin Luther used to say that the manger and the cross were never far apart and, and that in the manger we begin to see the very heart of God. A God who would go on to lay down his life for the world out of love. The incarnation teaches us that the creator of the world, our powerful God, loves us. He loves you. 
I'd like to close with uh, just a, a brief suggestion, if I could. How about this? How about the next time we are taking in the sights and the sounds and the smells and the tastes of Christmas as we sit by the fire looking at the Christmas tree with all of the glittering lights, as the cookies are baking and we're sipping our hot chocolate and Dolly Parton and Kelly Rogers are playing in the background, as we're getting the notifications on our phone that all of our holiday packages, our gifts are going to be delivered on time so everything will be okay. How about we pause? And if that's not your Christmas experience this year, if, if it's anything but that, well, then I think what I'm going to suggest next might even be easier for you. How, how about we all pause this? Maybe I should just put it this way. Whatever we're doing this Christmas season, how about we stop? And how about we try to imagine what that first Christmas was like for Jesus? How about we try to put ourselves in his tr shoes and think about what did he see? What did he smell? What, uh, uh, what did he taste? What did he feel? What was that first Christmas like for him? And as we imagine ourselves in that manger, may we be reminded of the incarnation that God came to dwell and live among us in the flesh as one of us, totally and completely. And as we remember the incarnation, may that remind us that we don't have to run away because God ran to us. May we know that, that we are understood. God gets us. And may we never forget that we are loved. In Jesus' name, amen.